This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. just want to read to you again uh, one of those verses of the hymn we just shared. The will of God is always best and shall be done forever. And they who trust in him are blessed. He will forsake them never. He helps indeed in time of need. He chastens with forbearing. Those who depend on God, their friend, shall not be left despairing. <laughs> but the will of God doesn't always feel best, does it? doesn't always seem to flow off us like the rain off of a raincoat. <laughs> the will of God doesn't seem to always be the way we would have written it. Some of you are in that season right now going, hmm, easy to sing, Pastor, hard to live. I know. <laughs> That's why we want to deal with it this morning. That's why we want to look and unpack and find out what's happening in Esther, what's going on. Because right now you're stepping into Holy Week, the most discordant of weeks. Some of you have these palms, and one person even asked me as we were processing in, they were talking to their child and said, hey, are these the very same palms that we're going to burn a year from now? I said, you bet, these are the ones. I said, right now they're just really nice and moist and lovely and beautiful. They'll dry out over a year, and I'll burn them. And it will start our journey again into Ash Wednesday. See, the discordance of Palm Sunday's excitement and jubilation, and then some of you, someone in here, I'm sure, is already thinking this. How could crowds so pumped become so angry so fast before social media? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Turns out people could spread things they wanted to spread real fast with or without electronics. Turns out people's hearts can change very, very fast. Anyone ever have a Fairweather fan in their family? You never cheered for that team. Why are you cheering now? It's the struggle of what's happening. Well, today in Esther, we find ourselves tucked in between kind of two things as well. The temple has been rebuilt. Remember, it's destroyed in 587, but by 516, what's called Zerubbabel's temple is rebuilt. Jerusalem again has a temple, and trust me, Israel is ecstatic. We can start offering sacrifices again. Things are moving forward. But we're not yet to Ezra. Ezra will come back and help restore the full religious picture. That's where we are. We're in between a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. Ezra has yet to make his way to Jerusalem. But we're not in Jerusalem. Esther has us in Persia, which many of you uh, would know currently if you think of the Persian kingdom, modern-day Iran. But that's not actually where Esther uh, tells us this picture is. So if you have Esther open... Uh, and you are looking there, I want you to look right to the very beginning. Uh, the beginning of Esther actually gives you, hopefully, uh, bigger eyes uh, than maybe you have if you're like, oh, this is like Iran. Well, it's a little bigger than you think. Esther 1, verse 1. Now, in the days of Ashuarius, the Ashuarius who reigned from India to Ethiopia. Ladies and gentlemen, that is bigger than Iran by a long shot. Again, Persia has taken over what many of you would call in, in our uh, kind of historical, the known world. From India to Ethiopia is all under one rule. That's Persia. 
that's the king that Esther is going up against. Lest you think like, oh, you know, it's like the king of Delaware. I know, I'm sorry, people from Delaware. Just trying to name someone small. And you're like, or, okay, Rhode Island. We, we, can, we can have our, our little... Uh, but the point is, this is a massive kingdom with massive power. So when you think of what Esther is going to do, she's going to go to a person who has the ability to say yay or nay to people all the way from Ethiopia to India. And she's going to step in the presence of that person and ask something that might lead to her demise. Well, what's interesting about Esther, though, as a book... Esther doesn't mention God at all. One singular veiled reference. And I want us to turn this. So go to Esther 4, verse 14. We're going to spend some time here in chapter 4 of our reading, which was our text for this morning. But this is the only veiled reference to God. Now, it is all about God's people. It's filled with the account of God's people in Mordecai and in Esther and the people's celebrations and them setting up plans for future. But here we are, Esther 4, verse 14. If you keep silent at this time, now you're like, wait a second, that's kind of a weird jump. Well, let's give you some background. The background is that Mordecai has found out that Haman, who is now seemingly almost number two or a huge player in the Persian kingdom next to King Ashuarius, has said that all of the Jews are going to perish. All of them. Every single one of them. And even to make sport of it, Haman had turned in and said he cast lots. He actually threw dice and cast out to find out what day he was going to strike and wipe out the entire Jewish people. You may also recall Esther is now queen. She replaced Queen Vashti. So she's now the queen over this entire kingdom. But she's also not told anyone she's an Israelite. See, Mordecai had suggested her, don't tell anyone. That's not going to be important at this time. And as this moment comes in that the people may be completely flushed out and washed away, taken away in just the sands of history, Mordecai comes to her and says, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. See, the veiled reference is just deliverance will come from another place. That's it. God's name's not mentioned. There's no other... That's your veiled reference. Just the reference that deliverance will come. See, in your own life, you may be going through that moment right now going, yeah, I'm waiting for the deliverance because I thought it was coming from this doctor. I thought it was coming from this new job. I thought when I got certified in this way, I would have a new start. I thought when I got that new position, I'd be able to finally say goodbye to my worries. I thought when I retired, life would be easy. Yeah, I know, I know. I learned from more and more retirees, they're like, buddy, don't retire. Turns out it was a big scam. Turns out working was all right. Retirement's also busy. It's a lot like the rest of life. And so we realize we're actually all in this thing together called living. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise to the Jews from another place. But look at the tale of verse 14 but you and your father's house will perish. See, deliverance will come, but if you don't do something, Esther, if you don't in your place, in your time, and in your position of authority say something, it's going to be over. See, Mordecai is trying to speak openly and plainly to her. There really is no more plain way to say this. Esther, speak up or it's over. 
I mean, that's what he's saying. At least it's over for her. Doesn't say it's over for God's people. See, this is the miracle of what God actually does in our lives. He's got a very big plan, and you're in it. He just hopes that you'll acknowledge you're part of it. It's not going to stop his plan. He'll welcome every single person under the shadow of his wing. But you've got to realize that he actually is there and wants to draw you under his wing. doesn't mean that his saving power isn't there. It just means that you've decided not to acknowledge that there are wings that want to welcome you. That's what Esther's told. It's going to rise from somewhere else. But you and your father's house would perish. So as you've read, and some of you are reading focus reading, some of you are reading the entirety of books as we go forward, what is it that God's doing in your life? Because to me, he's starting to remind me life can be difficult. See, that's what the Old Testament does. It just, there are difficulties coming all the times. And it isn't always clear what to do on any given day. See, what you thought you were going to do yesterday, you got a text this morning that said someone got transferred uh, or that doctor uh, has left. We had one member of our church who shared me the story of waiting to get a doctor because one doctor retired, another left, like in the process of getting surgery. It's amazing how things can quickly change. But Esther's going to put everything on the line because she knows that to actually step in to talk to King Ashuarius, she's going to put on the line this reality. No one goes to a king without being welcomed. It's a bad idea. Because the king gets to make this decision. Do I want to hear you now or do I not? And if I don't want to hear you, then your life is over. Again, in all the political climate of today, it is nearly impossible for you to step in from 2019 into this text to realize the power that that king had. Regardless of what the person is going to say, Esther could have been bringing the most joyous of news but the king still could have said, I just don't want to hear it right now, and your life is over. And you remember Vashti? Hmm, Vashti, Vashti. I used to know that name. Oh, that's right. She's the queen before Esther. And she didn't come when the king said she was supposed to. Yeah, that was enough of her. <laughs> Some of you ladies are like, yeah, I am glad we are done with that type of time period. Yeah, that is good riddance to that. But I do remind you, you have to step into the text to get the context of what she's doing. You won't understand the magnitude of what Esther does unless you understand the severity of what she's risking. As we are singing that hymn, I want to share with you, this is going to be one of the closing verses, and, and we'll get to it in a moment, but I just want to set this forward. Because my prayer is that at the end of my days, I might be able to sing, and whether or not I use this tune, that's fine. You can like the tune or not like the tune. But the words are the powerful part. We'll close with this sermon, with this text, but I want you to hear it. It says, when life's brief course on earth is run, and I, this world, am leaving, grant me to say, your will be done, your faithful word believing. My dearest friend, I now commend my soul into your keeping, from sin and hell and death as well, by you the victory reaping. It is powerful when you are at the bedside of someone who is dying in the faith, who is smiling. Ralph is one of them, Sandra. And there are many others, and I'm not trying to stick them out, but I just caught your eye. That man smiled his way right into God's arms. 
<laughs> I've said this story before, but man, it's on my mind now. I cried when I was at Ralph's bedside, and he goes, what are you doing, pastor? It's like, I said, Ralph, I just, I'm going to miss you. He goes, well, I'll see ya. I mean, just going to be with God. And I'm like, I, I, I know. I mean, it's the joy of realizing we do this church thing together. It's community. There's Ralph like, these young pastors. I mean, come on. What do they train them to know? Come on, man. Have some backbone, young man. It's fine. I'm not leaving you. It'll just be a little gap. See, this is Esther. She understands, though the book doesn't say it, she lives it. She lives the strength of being able to say, I'm going to go into this. It doesn't matter what Asherius does. I need to do this because God's given me the ability to trust him in all things. See, the text continues. It's verse 15 and 16 because she moves forward then. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go get, this is, this is her message, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa this capital city of a kingdom that spreads from India all the way to Ethiopia. And hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. Anyone else notice the nice little uh, neat veiled reference there? This is the joy of Scripture starting to speak in these neat things where God's giving you a little foresight and insight. Three days. doesn't mean that this is Christ. Just a reminder, God's kind of giving you these neat things. Jonah in the belly of the whale, three days. A fast of three days. These reminders of just when you hear what Christ is up to, you're like, wow, look at the power of striking in these three-day moments, just catching these glimpses. This is the joy of reading the entirety of Scripture. You start to realize, wow, God's writing this wonderful, cohesive picture. The text continues and says, I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. I'm going because it's what God has given me to do. And if I lose my life, I actually gain it. I gain it because I've been obedient to what God has asked of me. Uh, also in the text, you hear that phrase so often spoke, for such a time as this, that she was set in just that place. She just happened to have been made queen. It just so happened that Mordecai, foils an assassination plot that allows him to be risen to a place of position and power. It just so happens that she is going to be the voice of what God is doing. Paul wrote this the same way in the New Testament. He wrote, he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. See, for her, perishing isn't just perishing. She realizes there's more to the story. The church doesn't always get to speak to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. See, in, in that gap, you hear, save for retirement, get a bigger house, get a bigger car, get different things, get your will in order, get all these other things in line. Uh, and the church gets this one little voice to remind you there's more to living than just earth. There is an eternity that is to come. And as we live our life and we keep focused, not just on what this is, but realizing I'm living today because God's going to be with me for eternity. That's what Esther gets. If I perish, I perish, because she realizes she's actually going to be with the God who set all things in line. Perishing is not going to be the end. It's just going to be the next place that God delivers her out of, would deliver her out of this dilemma. If she dies, she no longer has a dilemma in her hands, does she? She's now with the Lord. The same Lord who took the people out of Egypt, who took the people out of Babylon, is now taking them out of Persia. Constantly we are drawn away from the things that distract us from God. God wants to be at our forefront. 
But this providential care is seen again and again and again. I jump us to our, our text. This is the tail end of our gospel text that, that Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord text. It's our wave your palm branches moment. But this doesn't feel like a wave the palm branches moment, does it? <laughs> See, listen to the text. So they're all waving palm branches. And then at the end, you get the challenge of those around. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, isn't this great? Could you imagine this? I mean, the best for me is like 4th of July, just whatever parade you want. So you've just been to a parade. And people all say, yay, here it is. And you got like this group on the side. Ah, it's a phony. It's a wash. It's a terrible parade. We hate it. Give it up. That's the Pharisees in this moment. As he's actually coming in and all the crowds are excited about what Jesus is doing. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. This is a waste. This is a scam. Why? <laughs> well, they're not in the temple right now. They're not following all the rules the Pharisees had. They're seemingly upset at the scribes. And every system that they had known that seemingly the Pharisees, scribes, and chief priests thought they had right, Jesus seems to be bucking them in ways that they're upset. Teacher, tell them to stop doing this. Because it seems like they're turning Jesus into what? The Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're actually suggesting at this moment, Hosanna is a Hebrew phrase that Lord save us now. Hosanna means save us now, Lord. They're going to rebuke them. Why? Because this guy, Jesus, he's not the guy. That's what the Pharisees want you to hear. He's not the guy. This isn't the time. Keep your mouth shut. Do you hear the, the inverse flips of Esther to Luke? Mordecai goes, Esther, you've got to speak up. And there it is, the teachers of the law looking as people are getting excited about Jesus, and they're going, simmer down. But they don't say simmer down. They use a strong word, rebuke them. Anyone ever had a real good healthy rebuke in your life? It feels like dirt. That's a kind word. It's horrible. Sometimes you need it, though. Sometimes you need a good swift rebuke. Many times it's to keep you safe, believe it or not. Your pride gets annihilated, but it may actually save you. That's Esther. She gets that little swift kick from Mordecai. Esther, you need to speak up. This is what the Lord has given for you. You need to be ready to see what God's doing. And then at the end in Esther 9, we hear that the deliverance came. And annually, then the people are to mark this reminder that God delivered them from that man, Haman. Uh, and I hope, though, people who listen to it online won't have the chance. Uh, out in the lobby, at the end, you'll, you'll see there's uh, some treats that are there. They're called Haman's Hat. Uh, and I know that the term is actually there, but it's a celebration that the Jewish people still do today to remind them as they remember Esther 9. So if you want, try one. Uh, have a chance to see it. If you have a, a Jewish friend or colleague, ask them, do they celebrate Purim? You'd know it because it's just the book of Esther that God provides care. And they remind those little Haman hats why they just eat it and say, because God delivered us from Haman. And if he can deliver you from Haman, he can deliver you from infinitely more. Because it looked like they were going to be wiped out. And it looks like in our lives that sin's going to wipe us out. It does. The disease, the illness, the cancer, the strife, the turmoil mental illness, the pain, the, in, the challenges that happen everywhere. See, problems aren't problems until you have them. When it's your problem, now it's something you're worried about. 
There was a woman in the church I grew up at every single Sunday. Every Sunday, she prayed for those struggling with mental illness. About 20 years after that, I asked my mom, and I just said, I'm just curious. I, I ne- what was that prayer request about? I said, she goes, well, she was praying for her mother who sat next to her every single week in church who suffered from mental illness, and you have no idea, Michael, what she was going through every week. And I looked at her, and I said, I didn't. But I learned faithful praying. But I started out by thinking what? Be honest. Oh, come on. You're praying every week. Give room for someone else. I'm serious. I want to be honest with you. As a child, what did I think? Prayerless get too long. Why are we praying so much? Why isn't that fixed? Why didn't God get that repaired? Because sometimes in life, it doesn't happen at the pace we want. Esther got to a place where she realized, you know what? It, it may be for me to fix or it may not, but I'm going to do what the Lord asked. For that woman... Her mother died and that mental illness never got repaired until the day the Lord called her home. Now it's repaired. But in earthly life, it wasn't. And that was the journey that a mother and daughter had. See, in your own life, there may be a journey like that. I don't know its name, but God does. And he won't let that be the end of your story. It's just part of what you're walking right now. Jesus answers those Pharisees who said, rebuke those disciples. And he said this, I tell you, if these were silent, isn't that neat? You just become these. (laughs) That's where we fit in. We fit in as these. If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. God's plot is not going to be foiled. (laughs) Because his plot is one of defeat over Satan. It's already set. So you even know what's going to happen on that cross in the days to come. But Easter actually isn't the end. Easter just means death loses its sting. It gets better. Because the gift of Easter is going to be yours. Resurrection is going to be yours. Restoration is going to be yours in full. I tell you, if these were silent, these very stones would speak out. God is speaking to us this day. As he spoke to the church in Philippi, Paul wrote this, being found in human form, he humbled himself. Jesus just humbles himself. Becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has rightly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth, and here's where it gets powerful. And under the earth. As you read the scriptures, be reminded, Satan and all of his demons, they know God. Remember the one, saint who gets, the one demon who gets cast out actually turns to Jesus and says, tells him where to cast him. The demon doesn't have power in front of Jesus. He just starts requesting, would you please do this to me? Don't send me here. Send me here. They do not have power in the face of God. God is in control, but at times it seems out of control when we don't know his plan, or at least we don't know what's happening at 1 o'clock this afternoon or 7 o'clock tonight. Or tomorrow at 10.30. We don't have all that figured out. But God tells us what he's doing. So that at every, the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May you as you walk through this week feel that providential care of God. That he has you. Just as he promised. All the way to the depths of Good Friday 
to the joy of the empty tomb and to that journey from an empty tomb to the day that he calls you fully into his presence. God is with us now and forever. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.